Welcome to the Diversity, Inclusion, and Belonging Teams podcast, Why Language Matters. This podcast is meant to explore words, their meaning, and how we can use language to be inclusive. My name is Emmett Muckles. I am a battery trainer and um, overall trainer, and my pronouns are he, him, his. Hi, I am Sharice Woods, a part of the Field Effectiveness team, um, and my pronouns are she, her. And uh, my name is Oral Robert Williams, usually called uh, O-Rob. My pronouns are he, him, and his, and I'm a sales development supervisor. Hi, yes, my name is Bijere Morrison. My pronouns are she, her, and I'm the Solar for All program manager. My name is Marcus Accord. My pronouns are he, him, and his, and I am the head of diversity, inclusion, and belonging here at Sunrun. Today's topic is Juneteenth. Uh, we are celebrating Juneteenth this Saturday, and we started this podcast to celebrate Black African American culture and its influence on today's world. And we thought we'd start with Bijere talking about the meaning and importance of Juneteenth. Yes, thank you, Marcus. I'm so excited to talk about Juneteenth and why language matters. Juneteenth is a really powerful word for me in particular, and it's it's more of a, a vibration, I would say, at the beginning of June. And it, it's so funny because as I started celebrating it, I would always forget, like it would be June 20th. And I'd be like, oh my God, Juneteenth has just passed. Uh, and so that's kind of quintessential to what Juneteenth is. It is one of the oldest holidays that is celebrated by uh, American, uh, Black Americans specifically. It is kind of like a celebration of freedom, right? There were some remaining enslaved people down in Galveston, Texas, that found out two years after the rest of America that slaves were no longer uh, legal in America. And so that is what Juneteenth is celebrating. It's celebrating that on June 19th, 1865, those states' residents finally learned that slavery had been abolished. For me, As a young person growing up, I started celebrating in high school. It was kind of like not necessarily a rebel state, but more about pride. I was really excited about being able to say, I'm proud to be Black. And I come from a lot of people that are great and awesome. They endured so much, yet they are still here and they are doing great and they are thriving. And so one of the most important things that I do is like, I like to recognize like where I've come from, where my people have come from. My grandmother is one of those um, instrumental people in my life because she is so loving and so kind and so wonderful. She's passed on now. And so I consider her to be an ancestor of mine. When I grew up, it was kind of hard to contextualize like what it meant to work for white people or what it meant to work in the fields. And my grandmother is someone who knew like actual slaves, like, right? She knew people who were actually enslaved. And that's not something that we talked about often. There's a lot of shame around like slavery and being enslaved. And Juneteenth is one of those times where you kind of like flip that on the head, right? It's like, you know, this is a time where I'm gonna centralize 
my experience in America and be proud of it, right? Like there's so many things that we've contributed. America would not be America without like contributions, right? And so Juneteenth is one of those times where it's just like, I am emboldened to be proud. And that's why I'm excited, you know, that we have this platform to talk about it, to express ourselves and to be proud that there's nothing to be ashamed about to be Black. You know, Black Lives Matter is a huge platform that's out. I am a, I have an opinion about that that I'm going to leave off the table. If you're interested to know, you can hit me up. But um, Juneteenth is something that I can, I can hear, I can see and feel really excited about and get excited about for the year. It's like something that I used to reflect. So like, how did I use my time last year? Would I make my ancestors proud? Have I moved my family's trajectory any point? Have I learned more? Have I gotten more degrees? Have I inspired anybody else that looks like me to be powerful and prideful in themselves? And so that is kind of how we celebrate Juneteenth. It's, it's becoming larger. Like It's awesome that corporations and organizations are allowing us to acknowledge it with a day off and using that for reflection. But I think it's even more powerful for the Black community to say, hey, this is the time for us to be proud of ourselves. Like, thank you for the day off. Yes. And we all, we all need a day to reflect and rest, but acknowledge that our contributions to America are great. That, to me, is even better. That's fantastic, Bijere. Thank you so much for that, that introduction. I want to ask a, a question of, of everyone here. When is your earliest recollection of learning about Juneteenth? So for me, as, as a white guy growing up in the South, I grew up in Louisiana, there was not a lot of black history taught in our schools, but I was very fortunate in 10th grade. Uh, Dr. Kenneth Mitchell uh, was my history teacher and a black man and a graduate of Southern University. And I know it was not in the curriculum, but he, he taught some, some black history anyway, or some history. And that was where I first learned about Juneteenth. There weren't any celebrations or anything at that time. Although I learned years later that the Essence Festival every year in New Orleans was actually because of Juneteenth. Mm. And so it, it's typically right around the 4th of July holiday. And it was people saying, okay, we're gonna, this, this Independence Day, we're gonna celebrate it our way. And that's how the Essence Festival started. It typically starts the weekend before, the weekend after 4th of July. And so that was kind of my first introduction and then years later, when I was in San Jose, I saw some great, great Juneteenth celebrations there that I started going to every year. But um, just kind of brings back to the, the history that, you know, needs to be taught in schools. It needs to be shared. My first encounter with Juneteenth was early because so I grew up in Tulsa and there's a very proud African-American community in Tulsa. And so. I didn't know the meaning necessarily, but I can remember like kindergarten going to, you know, Juneteenth concerts and celebrations and that it was like a week long celebration, you know, in Tulsa and in the Greenwood area. I would probably say it might have been closer to like middle school when I learned the meaning behind it. But I knew it was a, you know, from an early age, a time of a celebration for the African-American community? For me, it's relatively recent. I remember hearing about it 
kind of floating around in the 80s and the 90s and as I was coming along, but it was nothing tangible. Literally until I came to Sunrun and recently with the social movements that have been happening, these things are starting to, to, to have more light shed upon them. And I believe that I had some information about it at one time, but it just didn't stick. It just didn't have the gravity at that time as things do now. I'd say for myself, you know, I, I grew up in Charlotte, North Carolina, you know, the South, but I, I have to say like the, the first, my first introduction to Juneteenth was probably a, about a year ago. I would say I had a, an experience. I was close to both of you guys. So I traveled to Ghana when I was in high school, which changed my whole world perspective. I found out I was an American, right? Before that, I didn't know that I was American. <laughs> and so when I got back, I looked at the world a lot differently. And I found little pieces in our history books. You know, I just started delving deep into like history and like really trying to understand how we got to where we are. And I started celebrating then. I took out my relaxer and I just went straight natural, just like a complete turnaround, right? So I've been celebrating, but by myself, right? I, I've been alone with this. <laughs> I've, I'm from St. Louis. And so we are known for being completely segregated. And I was in, a, in an area that was majority white. So I found myself just being by myself a lot of times. And being, quote unquote, as Malcolm X would say, the mascot, right? So I had that flag to make sure that not only did I have that awareness, but that the people around me had that awareness because they looked at me to, to give them information on what it meant to be Black. And so I have been celebrating and being proud of my Blackness since I was in high school. I don't know how I would be where I am today without having that pride. I don't want to say it starts with Juneteenth, but it starts with being able to out loud with language and words, identify yourself with pride. And Juneteenth to me represents that in one word. You know, what's really bizarre. You said something. And I realized this in 2011, I went to Europe in a nightclub. There was um, some friends from business and someone came up to me and said, oh, you're the American. And that was the first time that I had heard that mm -hmm. because before that, literally, and I'm going to be honest, I was just, people say, what are you, I'm black. Yes. And I had never made the, the, the correlation, you know, formally of being an American, which ties into Juneteenth because once that happened, uh, Emancipation Proclamation became written in stone. Mm -hmm. Now, we have a rightful title to citizenship. And what most people don't realize is that there are some forms of the constitution that were life, liberty, and the pursuit of land. Around that time, or right after, there was about a 14% ownership of land, which constituted the population at the time too. And all this ties in. Um, we were talking about the 1619 podcast, a lot of this information mm -hmm, is yeah. within that podcast. It's hard to conceptualize how many people in America don't consider themselves to be American. 
we just like take ourselves out of that. Um, I don't say possibilities, right? Because if you don't consider yourself to be an American, do you do you consider yourself to be able to access the greatness that is America? Like, do you have hope within yourself to say, hey, I can graduate college. I can be a doctor. I can be a lawyer. I can do whatever I set myself up to. And July 4th is the American holiday, right? And Juneteenth is like right on that cusp. And so many people are like, well, I'm going to celebrate July 4th. I'm going to, you know, have my American flag out. Most people celebrate that, but do they have that American flag? Are they just gathering together to get with their family? I don't know. But for Juneteenth, for me, that is my American celebration. And that's pretty ironic because the 4th of July is my birthday. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, and, and people always ask me, it must be great being born on Independence Day. I'm like, no, people are having a party and go, we're celebrating your birthday. No, you were celebrating the 4th of July. It just happens to be my birthday. <laughs> I alluded to earlier, life, liberty, and the pursuit of land, which is constituted pursuit of happiness because that's what this country was found on because there was so much untapped land here. And that's what the goal was. And that's one of the things Juneteenth could bring about. My father taught me this because my father was a landowner. And he said, it is a fundamental right for you to own land in this country because there are some places on this planet where you would not have access to it. And I've always taken that to heart, especially in lieu of the, the history of uh, what we're presenting. Mm -hmm. Emmett, that's a pretty good point that you make that up because I feel like that's something that I've had to learn and discover in my adult years, more so than something that I've been you know, taught when I was younger which actually, you know, is something that I, I want to make sure that that's a message that I'm delivering to my boys as they grow up, you know, just the possibilities of life. It all lends itself to mindset. If you don't have the firmware, you don't have the firmware. If you don't know what you don't know, quite often we get caught in the emotions of the situation and it prevents us from looking at it at a very rational, what do I need to do? How do I need to move? How do I need to be a circumstance which affects our mindset? A lot of what you guys are saying right now is literally how I choose to celebrate, represent, you know, my heritage and celebrate Juneteenth. And what you just said about if you don't have the firmware, you don't have it. I think that is my biggest pain point, but what I like strive to work towards is making sure that people know the information. About 40% of all uh, black owned businesses are ran by African-American women. Yet there's such an opportunity for us to really make entrepreneurship our way of celebrating who we are and our stake here in America. Because like what you just said, the pursuit of land and make that ownership or, you know, whatever. It, it kind of, at the time, land was pretty much the only ownership you could have, but that's, that's evolved into different things. But for me, that is how my, my family has celebrated Juneteenth from what I can remember. From my mom's side of the family, my dad's side, they both had land. They were farmers. They, you know, had their own businesses that you know were ran by members of our family and that kind of like 
entrepreneurial spirit of ownership has been passed down generation to generation. And I think it's important that we continue that. And like what I hadn't, I haven't heard anyone call you Oh Rob before, but I like it. Um, what was saying <laughs> about making sure that his children understand this concept. What I, I mean, I don't have kids, but I have a community, you know, so that I'm responsible to. And so I, I feel like that is my responsibility to my community is to make sure that people have the necessary like tools and resources that they need so that we can continue these, I call it building these legacies, you know, making sure that we are still standing on the the shoulders and the, you know, of the people that came before us for whatever that might be. Maybe it's not, maybe it's, it's something completely different. Maybe it is land, physical land, or maybe it's a beauty shop or Maybe it's your great grandmother made jewelry or whatever it is, but just like having that ownership of whatever it is continues to grow our culture here, you know, and and grow our communities. And hopefully, like I said earlier, I grew up in Tulsa. So as I've learned over the years more about Tulsa and what that city looked like at one point in time, it makes sense that that kind of spirit just lives in me because I just grew up around it having things to call your own and being able to pass things down generation to generation. I feel like for me, that's, that's the freedom, you know, (laughs) right Mm -hmm. now. And so that's, that's what I want. That's what I want people in my family or community, whatever the case may be to just at least know and understand the importance of, and be able to kind of pass that around. One of the things that I I have been seeing is this Gen Y, they are, on the ball because they are talking about generational wealth. So if we think about Juneteenth from where it came from, Mm -hmm. it was really that premise in America. If you have land, then you can grow crops, you can sell crops. So you are an entrepreneur. Through things like Rose, I believe it was Rosewood, Florida, or there was a city in Florida, there was Tulsa, Oklahoma, where these cities were decimated because they were just prospering too well. And what that did was brought out this fear where people retracted and it got lost. And it's only now being rebirthed with this newer mindset about how we can proceed as a community, as a society, and as an integration. How can we add value not only to ourselves, but add value to the community at large, which is America? I'm extremely excited about it. And I'm always watching because it comes from places you would not expect. There is a gentleman called the Wall Street Trapper who talks about how he learned how to make money in stocks. There are young gentlemen talking about real estate and how you can own and flip and how you can transfer this to your children and bring them along with you so that they have an understanding and they don't have to do what many people today are are getting themselves into mega thousands of dollars in debt to go to college where the 1% have survived off of this generational wealth where it's passed down. They don't really have to do any much, but invest critically those resources so that the next generation after them has something to work with. So it's really about mindset and maybe getting out of the mindset where you are 
and looking at the successful mindsets that are in place and trying to pull that into your DNA so that as you go along your legacy, it may be a hundred years from now, but the legacy of that name, the legacy of that bloodline can prosper for the generations to come. Am I a part of Generation Y? Because I, <laughs> it is definitely an increase in people that I, who I grew up that are getting stocks. Like we're talking about buying stocks. That's a part of our conversation. I mean, my friends are never talking about tennis shoes or whatever, but like the people that you could consider that are just talking about the next days that are coming out, they're talking about buying Nike stock or, you know, cryptocurrency. There's a new app called Black Wealth. It's kind of Black Wall Street. And that's supposed to be like a hub for learning about new stocks, cryptocurrency and real estate go-to places for buying, you know, just like really collectively coming together to make sure that we don't leave the generations behind us behind. I think what you were talking about earlier, Emmett, with the mindset, oftentimes our parents were so quick to get us out of the house, you know, at 18, it's time for you to be an adult and take care of yourself. I think we're, we're taking a look at that now and saying, okay, well, you can leave the nest once you have a business plan. If you're not in college, but I know that you can take care of yourself because you have your first starter home or you have a you have four doors. You know what I mean? Like those are the conversations that I hear with my peers that have kids that are in junior high school and high school now. And I, I don't want to say it's all because of Juneteenth, but I do want to say that it's all because of, you know, the pride that we're building upon being black. Right. And making sure that yeah. we have to take care of ourselves. And that, you know, our country is great. America is great. But we have to take the pie. No one is going to give us the pie. Like, we have to be able to pass on our slice to our kids. And that's one of the proudest things that I've been able to do. Looking back at where my grandmother came from, she was on a small Native American plantation called Ishkuda, Alabama. And her grandchildren are in the most powerful institutions of academia in Chicago right now. Like that is something to be proud of, to be celebrated. We don't want to do anything but continue to be great and, and thrive and know that there are obstacles that are in front of us, but that we come from stock that has overcome those obstacles and kept their heads high. I think it all boils down to like education. I don't mean school education when I say that. Um, but I, I think now more than ever, at least from my perspective, young adults in the African-American community are choosing to educate themselves more than we ever have ever before. So with that comes a lot of different avenues, different you know, doors open. My parents will tell me all the time, all of their kids are way smarter than they ever were. And they don't mean like book smart. They just mean like taking an idea and learning how to make it happen. We're becoming more in tune, I guess, with who we like really are and where we come from and what we, what we bring to the table. And so now I, we, I think we look at things a little bit more um, in a different act in a different way, whether you know one point it might have been, well, what will this community or these people or this business or whatever allow me to do? And I don't think people are 
asking the what am I allowed to do question anymore. I think it's like, uh, I'm going to just do this <laughs> and I'm going to educate myself on how to do it the best way. You know, shout outs to all the 20s and 30 somethings out there because we're just getting it okay like we we're getting it and we are i don't know i don't know where it came from just something has sprung up in us and we're just like i, I will say that we there's this fire that's going on right now in the young adult community and i like it so yeah my daughter <laughs> explained it to me she and i would have these very open candid conversations and she shared with me one day she said to me daddy we looked at all the stuff you did. You guys were working and getting laid off and doing this and doing that, and, or you were married and our parents were half unhappy, some were happy, marginal. She's like, we took all this stuff in as data and we said, we're literally gonna craft our life the way we want it because we've seen the things that may not work. For me, I had to be open enough to say, the time has changed so these possibilities are open, not just for my child, but they're open for me too. And I can adopt some of these things. And one of the things that I've always done as a parent was to take my hobbies to see if they're profitable. So for instance, I liked music. So I started a DJ company and I would take my daughter with me to DJ and show her crowd psychology, or I would show her punctuality, how to deal with people, things of that nature. And my, my latest endeavor is woodworking. So I'm showing my kids, hey, uh, your mom and I, we got into woodworking. So now we can do what we love and sustain parts of our life. I want to piggyback on what Cherie said a moment ago. I think it's really important to understand and appreciate that mindset of like going out and getting it and educating yourself, taking something and turning it and making it something that no one could imagine. Historically, before Juneteenth, that was something that was unheard of, right? We have in our language times where we say, don't be smart, don't be a smart aleck. And that is because we were, like when I say we, I mean our ancestors, they were afraid to allow us to be smart, right? They were afraid to allow any type of intellect or genius to show, right? But now, like, I'm so proud that my son is smarter than me. I am elated that he knows more than me. Like, no, son, you're going to have to Google that because I don't know, you know? And I know my ancestors are so, they're jumping for joy because we don't have to, sh we don't have to hide our genius. We can be who we are. I think it's a phenomenal time. And I think that it is, you know, it's only going to get better. You know, Rob had an interesting point of view related to role models. I, I think actually, you know, just with you bringing up uh, your situation with your daughters, um, I can almost relate in some ways. My boys, they're four and five, so they are preschool and kindergarten. However, you know, with this virtual environment of, you know, working from home, and, you know, one is just going to school. But, you know, one of my challenges is just, you know, being a role model for them. They're kind of, you know, at times confused with that. Why don't you go to work anymore? You know, like they think that I, I don't work anymore. They think I'm just hanging out in a room like on the computer all day. And so, um, you know, a lot of times they want me to go and like, hey, let's let's go to the park. Can we go around the block and, you know, things like that. 
And it's so difficult for me to, to try to explain to them like, no, dad's working right now. Like we have to, we have to go later, like later this afternoon or, you know, like on another day or something. And it's so hard, but I will say that that definitely motivates me to do exactly what you mentioned, Emmett, find a way to turn a profit out of your hobbies. And so, you know, same thing, like my, my wife and I met in yoga teacher training. That was an early on way of me trying to turn a profit from, yeah, exactly. Namaste. That was a way for me to turn a profit from one of my hobbies at an early age before even having kids. But now, you know, uh, of course, you know, a year ago, everyone is kind of going through these, uh, this time of uncertainty. And, and so my, my wife at the time, she thinks that I was crazy because I really, I, I saw like the initial part of, of, uh, of the pandemic as an, a true opportunity for everyone. Like this is a chance to really like reset everything that you do like your your daily routine, all of your habits, everything can be completely reset. And now you can start new, take a new direction. For myself, I, I took a big risk and I went and bought a, a laser engraver. And I'm, you know, getting ready to jump on a CNC machine next just because it's, it's growing. Like I, I'm looking into so many other things, but just being able to have that type of hobby, you know, worth, you know, working in working with wood and other materials and having my sons come in and take part of that with designs um, and just watching something that's being created. I'm sure you can do the same thing with your uh, CNC Emmet, but like my boys can, you know, draw out like a rocket and I can scan that and cut it out. And now I've just taken something that, that they have, you know, that, that just came from their mind and I've made it into something physical. These are things that, that we could not do when I was their age. Again, I just want to, to make sure that I am role modeling them and just showing them, you know, all the possibilities of what's out there. And at least to a point that they begin to, to educate me on what some possibilities are, you know? So I will say that early on, I was kind of afraid, like, my sons are going to be smarter than me. You know, like I'm thinking like I'm smarter than my parents. Like, how do they feel? But now it's something that I, I definitely embrace. Like, hey, I, I want to learn from you. I taught you so much. Like, what can you teach me? Times 10. My dad said to me, because my dad was like my role model. He was my idol. He was this big. He was just, he was taller than the rest of my family. And he read books and he used to tell me, Hey, if you want to find out anything, this is pre-internet. If you want to find out anything, somebody's typically written about it. And he took me to the library. He says, this is where you find out about anything you want to find. And how this ties into Juneteenth is because for so long, as uh, we were iterating earlier, you weren't allowed to be smart. You, If you were really intellectual, people kind of chided you and you weren't allowed to read. And I take pride in being knowledgeable and being smart in this society because for so long you couldn't be. You know, um, I, I'm actually just looking at my uh, my 23andMe, and it's exactly same. Like predominantly Nigerian, 29%, 24% Ghana, and so taking that bit in, I it really has inspired me to really want to travel more. Bijere brought up a really 
great point earlier about her first trip to, to Ghana and what that experience was like. I would say that for, for myself, when I first moved to Arizona about 10 years ago, a friend of mine, she works with uh, ASU, but she was hosting a party with some exchange students that were here from Africa. And so uh, there were probably like 20, 25 students here from Africa that I had a chance to meet. And, you know, here I am, and I was just completely just like lost. I, I felt like I was just so out of place because same, they were looking at me and calling me the American. You know, here in Arizona, the African-Americans are, are about 5% of the population, if that. So, you know, for, for them to come to America, see me here in Arizona, just interacting with them was just really, really eye-opening for me to just see, like, there's so much that I am missing. And just hearing, like, some of the things that they're, that they're talking about, why, what they're studying, I would say one of the biggest, like, most enlightening thing for me was that half of them, I would say most of them, just kind of had the expectation or understanding that probably, you know, a, a third of them, when they got back home, would probably not survive the next five years or so. But they were okay with that. Like, they were just okay with, you know, the conditions back home. They were just, you know, extremely grateful to be able to, you know, receive the education and, you know, the travel and the experiences that they were receiving. So eye-opening for me. That's a really awesome thing that you just said, because this is a thing that I practice. And it came as of late because uh, coming through the pandemic, this winter was rough. And so I made a conscious prayer conversation to live in gratitude. For me to live in gratitude means to go all the way back as far as I can remember, as far as I can, I can ascertain information and kind of see what life was like generations ago because it was rough. And then you see your my children who cry because the internet's down. <laughs> <laughs> and I live in gratitude to the fact that that's their problem in life. Mm-hmm. That yeah. means I've done okay. I've done mm-hmm. pretty well. And that, you know, and I often get up about three or four o'clock in the morning because I'm a trainer and I have to get up and prep things. And I walk through the house in gratitude and I hear my children snoring. I hear my wife snoring and I'm in gratitude. And I know that the house is safe and I'm in gratitude. And I see a young man or young woman walking down the street and they look happy and I'm in gratitude. So And what I want to do here is just be in gratitude in the moment for our ancestors, Mm -hmm. for our allies, and for everybody on this podcast, just to say thank you for being here. We'll see you. Thank you all for for sharing your experiences here today. Um, Really appreciate it because this is going to help others understand what this holiday means for all of us.